From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 248. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet, Squarespace, and Harry's. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by hype man extraordinaire, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Yeah, hype hype man week is finally here. I leave. I'm as soon as we're done with this show, I'm finishing my packing because I'm driving out to Little Rock mm-hmm. for the Arkansas Pin Show. I'm leaving about five AM my time tomorrow to get in the car. So You got your air horn ready? <laughs> one of those things you know yeah you yeah going. i ordered one of those suits from you know that that shop with the suit where you get all the crazy suits so i just ordered one like a crazy suit i'm just gonna go pens, in there and just be crazy suit, yeah you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you just have what have jeff make one out of cordura for you that's true we should have done that should have done I, that bunch of pockets yeah i got enough going on in that shop i don't i don't need to, <laughs> to be making uh not case uh we have talked about doing like the you know one of those uh one of those characters out on the street, you know, in like a big knock pin case. <laughs> I think one year you got to make us all matching fishing vests. We'll do it. We'll do it. Jeff's talked about it. That would be great, man. Jeff has talked Jeff. about it. Speaking Come speaking on, of fishing vests, I know our wonderful guest today has at one point attempted his own fishing vest. So welcome, Matt Armstrong from the Pin Habit. Tell us all about your fishing vest. Thank you. So I <laughs> it, it will be making its debut in Chicago. Nice. Um, it is under construction at this very moment, um, <laughs> and it is made of the most ugly, garish, horrible custom-printed fabric covered with pictures of fountain pens, nibs, yeah. and logos. It is going to be so spectacularly heinous. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> that is the only way to do it, and I, I expect nothing less from you. This is going to be killer. I can't wait to see it. So. Yes. Um, well, thank you for joining us today. Um, oh, my I'll, pleasure. I will be the first to admit this is about 200 episodes too late uh, to get you on. I don't know what has been uh, my problem. I'm kind of a slacker, I guess, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to finally get you on. Yeah, I think I just had to, um, you know, kind of establish myself a little bit more. It had taken <laughs> a little while. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, you're like super famous. I mean, the uh, the listeners have been wanting this forever and ever and just uh you know i gotta get uh get on the the scheduling bandwagon a little bit better so i'm I'm glad to finally do it because we have lots of cool stuff to talk about and lots of uh you know listeners you know may not have heard of you so we're going to talk about the beginning for you can't wait uh, yeah so it should be fun um before we get all the way into the pen habit stuff we have a couple of follow-up items we want to hit real quick and the first one, Mike, you put this in because you saw our good friend, all of our good friend, uh, Anna Reinert, uh, teasing a new product she is creating, right? As I referred to Anna you know, in, in the show notes, so like we have a, uh, a kind of a joke, like friend of the show. Uh, I've referred mm-hmm. to Anna as best friend of the show. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. I think that's fair. So Anna's working on a, a pretty sweet looking new product um, with her actual husband, the wonderful Bob mm-hmm. of Skylab Letterpress. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an ink testing swatch book. So there's mm-hmm. like uh, two inch by four inch cards with a binder ring um, that are in them. So you can easily pop them out and move them around, which I think is really cool. And it looks like, I mean, you can maybe give me a bit more info on this, Brad, that Anna went to kind of great lengths to source some paper for this. She has been working on this six months, maybe, wow. if not more. It's taken her a long, long time to get the paper she's wanted. Um, and I know, Matt, we're going to talk about that, too, with your goods. I know it's taken you a long time to find, like, what's the paper I'm going to put my name on, right? That's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and there's news about that, too, which we will yes. get to. 
Yes, I, I've made sure to uh, to to bring that up because I want to I want to hear about that. But uh, yes, it's taken her a long time, and it's finally just come like right down to the gun where she wanted to launch this at the Arkansas Pin Show. Um, her and Bob are going to have a table there, and uh, they will be available. So this came about because um, a lot of people in the pin community used a product by Moramon. They had these um, kind of educational note cards on a ring. And a lot of people just, you know, use those for ink swatching notebooks. And they discontinued it probably a year or two ago. So Anna came up with something awesomer. and Custom made for the task, right? Which is, you know, rather than having something that was kind of like retrofit to do this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's a a good way to put it. And she made a great post about it, did all the testing, and uh, now is ready to send it off into the world. So it should be good. Yep. So as as Brad said, she's uh, kind of demoing, like previewing them. Um, I mm-hmm. think you'll probably be able to pick some up at the Arkansas Pen Show. But then uh, yeah. they come in soon after that uh, for ten dollars plus shipping. So great looking product. Yep. I'm looking forward to picking up some of my own, uh, just to basically test Hiroshizuku over and over and over again. I guess. <laughs> the uh, the one one hundred swatches of Fuyugaki. Yep. You know that I, I for me I would want a product like this for when I go to pen shows. Mm -hmm. Um, just so I have some like good paper that is like, um, not quality control isn't the word I'm looking for, but like standardized testing environment, like for Mm -hmm. pens, for pens as well as ink. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, I know how such and such pen works on this paper because I use it. So now I get to like test pens against each other and find out what works for me and what doesn't. So I think it's, it may be for more than just, just ink. I think it's like the, the thing that you clip to your belt on the fishing mm. vest, I guess, when you're walking around <laughs> the pen show. Well, yeah, I think that's important. I know, Matt, when we're at pen shows, you, like, if if we're working for Lisa Van Ness or if we're just walking around the show and someone asks one of us a question, you know, about either a nib or an ink, a lot of times you have kept a record, like in a notebook, you know, you, you've pulled that notebook out several times when we're talking, you know, about pens and inks and you just kind of have a record of, of what's used. You find that useful, I assume, right? Oh yeah, and uh, so both the the notebooks that I, I carry around with me, and I have I've been using uh, these artist trading cards for my swatches mm-hmm. that are about the same size, um, and I just keep them in like a filing cabinet. But something like this would be great, especially to break it up by because I've got so much ink. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to break it up by brand, you know, to have a notebook for each brand or or parts of notebooks for each brand is something where I could do lots of comparisons and stuff. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm hoping she's going to be at Chicago because I want to pick some up there, I think. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So you also teased in here, Mike, that um, oh, Mike's I didn't coming out it. with some... Well, you put it in here. I wouldn't put it in I put it in here, but you you, you know, Jeff is, Jeff is the teasing mastermind around all of this. Jeff is. He's wanted to make a cra- kind of crazy note card for probably two to three years now. Um, it's essentially your standard note card just folded. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, rocket science here, but it's it's basically a double-sided, a double-fold note card. It's basically four sides for a single note card. And he wanted to make it in the three-and-a-half by five-and-a-half kind of pocket notebook standard so it fits in all these things. And it's called the Gigante. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, our, it's, it's just something that's been rattling around in his head for years and... We're finally getting to the point where we thought it'd be cool to make it because uh, it's it's going to be kind of cool. Uh, we're excited. Yeah, when's the kind of the timeline on this? Should be ready for the Atlanta Pin Show. Nice. 
Yeah, and then we're also making like a, a petite one. We're going to have Gigante, and we're going to have Petite, which is the standard business card size because mm-hmm. Jeff uses that a lot. So like we always do, we make stuff we want to use and, and have fun with. And, uh, you know, when we get the opportunity to do something cool like this, we we try to push it through and uh, see what everyone else thinks. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. So, yeah, I wanted to put yep. that in there because that's a fun little thing for sure. Yep, should be ready for Atlanta. Cool. I think we might have something else ready for Atlanta, which I'm kind of scared about. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of printed out colorful images at the show. What do <laughs> Don't you think? Encourage them. I didn't. They've think already. Of this. Ha- they've already started. They've oh, already no. started that. That's why oh, I'm bringing no. it up. So, so there has been some incredible inv- advancement to the. Uh, I'm trying to think of a name for not just like the pen addict coloring book web page, but like the nightmare. Inducing <laughs> coloring book uh, that we've had going on for a while that Alexander has built. Um, he's put a bunch more stuff in there that I'm really excited to see, including tons of more color palettes, which are all named brilliantly. Hype Orange, we have two Hiroshi Zukus, um, Nuclear Fallout Green, Pink Underwear, as a reference to last <laughs> week, uh, Sky at Night, naturally. Um, so yeah, this is amazing. And there's also some some pretty funny uh, sponsor-related Easter eggs in here as well, which which makes me laugh that he's gone to the trouble of putting those in. Uh, this thing is one of my favorite things of all time. Um, and I, I, I love Alexander greatly for putting this thing together, and it keeps getting better and better. Um, and now there are more colors that you can use to create just vastly increasing horrifying images uh, of me and Brad together. <laughs> yeah, uh, Emerald of Shavor color palette, Tahitian Black Lip Oyster, which is still the greatest show title ever probably, although last week's a contender. Um, yeah, this is amazing. Thank you, Alexander. And my um, Twitter mentions are filling up with new colors, and I haven't found all the Easter eggs yet, but I see the uh, I see them popping up in some of the images people are sending me. So um, he really outdid himself with uh, version we're on version zero point two five. So we're we're iterating quickly here. So thank you so, so. much for doing that. All right, so let's let's get on to what what the people want, and the people want to hear from Matt. So uh, let's let's talk about our, our first sponsor, and then uh, we'll get into business here. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code INC at checkout, and you'll get ten percent of your first purchase. With a unique domain name, award winning templates, and more, you can make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website for your next idea. Whether you're looking to create a blog, portfolio, online store, site for your restaurant, maybe a site for your local group or charity, no matter what it is you're looking to put online, Squarespace is the only one platform that lets you do just that. You don't have to worry about installing stuff, patching things, upgrading things. You don't have to do any of the boring tweaking, as I like to think of it. You just get to go onto squarespace.com, set everything up, tweak it to your heart's content with all the fun stuff. So like where you can adapt their beautiful templates with colors and fonts and everything's drag and drop. All of the stuff that you get to do on Squarespace is just the fun stuff, the stuff that allows you to get your ideas out to the world. They have the ability for you to grab a domain name if you're looking for one, and they also have 24-7 customer support if you need any help with anything at all. 
Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Then, when you do sign up for a plan, use the code INC at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, Mr. Armstrong. So we've known each other for a while, but we really haven't gotten to know each other on a on a more personal level until like the past year or two. And I'm obviously a huge fan of yours, and I really, really respect what you do and what you bring to the community. And, you know, as we've talked and, and become closer friends over the past couple of years, I realized that I don't really know how you started the pen habit and like what your background is with pens. So why don't you kind of take uh, take us from the beginning? Like, you know, when did you fall in love with stationery? When did you realize that's a thing? And then when did you decide to want to write about it? Well, it's um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's only been maybe the last uh well, it's actually February 23rd was my uh, fourth anniversary of mm. pens, of the pen world. So it hasn't been as long as it feels like sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I – so I live in Seattle, the Seattle area, and my dad has been using a fountain pen. He's had the same one since 1976. <laughs> and my mom sent me to the the market – the Pike Place Market, there's a guy there mm-hmm. who sells kit pens, you know, turned out of wood. And she sent me down there to go pick up a pen for him for a Christmas present in the end of 2012. And it, that idea kind of got stuck in my head. And so one of the things I wanted to do starting in 2013 was start writing in a journal. And I am never not looking for excuses to spend money. <laughs> um, so I... I was like, oh, I should go get myself a nice pen, and and maybe that'll encourage me to write in my journal. And I went and spent what I thought at the time was the most I would ever spend on a pen, which was $65. <clears throat> we'll just leave that there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, brought it home, and it did not work very well, which – if you're familiar with super cheap kit pens, is probably mm. not a surprise to anybody. I didn't know any better. So the very first thing I did is what I always do. I went on the internet to try to find out how to fix it. And that's when I fell down the rabbit hole. So I've been, it you know, within the end of the first month, I had my first probably 10 bottles of ink and my first... 10 fountain pens and it was just you know i i stumbled into this world that i hadn't even really known existed before so it was uh i don't know it was it was a really fast start and i'm one of those i don't just kind of get my toes wet in anything Mm -hmm. i just dive right in to whatever it is i'm interested in and go way overboard right off the bat and that's pretty much how it happened yeah, that that's crazy how fast that was. Like I I I think I re- like almost refused to do fountain pens for like the longest time and and I've eaten so many words from things I've said about p- fountain pens in the past and but it still wasn't uh quite at that pace. So what what you went from that pace to saying, "Hey, let me share you know what I'm finding and what I'm discovering online. What made you want to start writing and and then eventually doing videos about uh, fountain pens and and everything you were discovering? Well, I mean, it was really Brian Goulet and Stephen Brown who mm-hmm. got me into it. Um, and so there was 
plus I've always had, you know, I've done several podcasts in the past and mm. I've always had this kind of, uh, urge to share what I learn. I used to teach at the college level. And so I, I love to teach. I love to be in front of an audience of any kind. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of a natural transition for me. Um, yeah. Plus uh, I felt like at the time, which is funny considering where I am now, that there really wasn't anyone who was kind of sharing their experience as a newcomer. You know, Brian to me felt like a longtime expert. Stephen felt like a longtime expert with way more experience than I would ever have. And I was brand new. And so I wanted to share my experience from the very beginning, which if you go back and watch some of my old videos is pretty funny. <laughs> you know, just the, the stuff I didn't know back then and what I what I came up with in some of my early reviews is kind of cringe inducing. I can imagine we, we have all been there. I know that's the truth. Yeah. So did did you plan on the on the video as being your primary format in the beginning? Yeah, right out of the bat, I knew that the video was the format I was interested in. So back in my well, not back in my tech days, I'm still in my tech days. But my first job after I retired from performing, uh, I worked at Microsoft during the Zune era. If we're all familiar, and I worked on the oh, yeah. Zune team. Uh, so I was with the team that was responsible for getting in all the TV shows and movies from the studios gotcha. and then publishing those into their video marketplace. And I had done that for about three years and had really gotten into the whole video. I'm a YouTube junkie and have been for a long time. So it, it was kind of a natural transition. Plus, with all the equipment I had at my house, I was like, I really ought to be doing something with all this stuff that I bought and is just sitting around collecting dust. <laughs> so that that um you know getting in front of the camera then is is nothing for you right i mean that's like you it, you didn't even have to think about it you're just like let's set this up and go yeah it i mean i've I've got the performer genes and always have mm -hmm. the other thing i think a lot of people sometimes forget this is that there's just not it doesn't feel like you're in front of an audience when you're recording youtube videos mm -hmm. because it's just um you know, I, uh, the way I often put it is I'm sitting alone in a padded room talking to myself because um, <laughs> that's that's really what it feels like most of the time is I'm, you know, I'm just in a bedroom in my house with with padding on the walls and I'm talking to myself and I hardly even realize the camera's there. So it doesn't the hardest thing was just dealing with the the feedback that comes from the YouTube community, which is mm -hmm. not always great. Um yeah. But uh, once I kind of thickened my skin and got used to that a little bit more, uh, it was just a natural fit. Yeah, I, I know that that feedback is hugely challenging, and we've we've talked about it like crazy amounts. Like when we're in person, yeah. like is there anything you can do to change that? Like how do you handle that? And there's still no great answer for that, unfortunately. But um, yeah, what I've noticed over the years of following you is there is no one that I, I'm not a YouTube junkie like you, you and Mike are, but there's no one that I watch who does a better job with the video, the quality, the production, the writing, if you will. I mean, you have to, your videos are 20 to 30 minutes long. You know, you have to plan this out. You, I'll just get on there and ramble for like five minutes, but you've, this is, serious high level stuff so what got you into this is a huge commitment right to make a single video for a fountain pen i can't fathom what that process is like knowing 
you know, kind of what's going on behind the scenes. I can't, I can't picture that. So let me in inside, like how long it takes you to put together like one of your videos. Yeah. So, um, if I were to break it down by hours, it's about 20 hours of work for every 20 minute video. Wow. Um, 15 to 20 minute video. And my videos keep getting longer and longer and longer. And I'm trying to rein that in. I'm not always (laughs) successful because I like to talk. Um, But so usually the way it works is I'll get a pen, I'll ink it up and use it for a couple of months. Uh, I I generally, because the turnaround time for me is so long, I can't often do the, I just got this brand new pen. I'm going to turn around a review really quick. So I'm almost never the first one out with a review of anything. Right. Um, but I'll I'll use it for a couple months. During that time, I'll take ideally take the photos. I'll sit down and record, and I record with three cameras simultaneously. So it that actually speeds up the editing process later. But um, so you know, I'll usually on a Saturday or Sunday, I'll sit down in my studio and record three or four videos at once. I'll edit them one at a time. I create After Effects transitions to go in there, um, you know, music and color correct all the video and all that stuff, edit it. And then I write a written blog post to go along with the video. And I usually Mm. do that last. I used to do it first, but sometimes I just couldn't get to it and didn't want to hold up production until I did. Mm. So I do that often last and then I'll publish the whole thing together. So that's kind of my process. It's, it's, you know, it's just a lot of work. It's not nothing out of the ordinary it's just a lot of work so yeah no 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 big deal no <laughs> no big deal like just it like you my just hair yeah like you just gloss over music like yeah i just put the music in you know and overlay it wherever where you the part you left out is where you composed the music originally right <laughs> yeah that's what i do during my hiatuses is i i compose all the music and make the big changes so you can actually see from season to season to season um which is something that, that's different for me than a lot of other video producers there's usually big changes in in the sh- the format of the show between each season because i use that time to kind of tweak and write new stuff and learn how to use after effects and you know all those other things because the thing for me is like you can tell when the end of my season comes because i'm so bored with the process (laughs) that i just kind of zone out and go into automaton mode Mm -hmm. and so uh, for me the the thing that's most important is making sure that i keep learning and experimenting and trying new things and adjusting the format and tweaking because otherwise it just gets so boring yeah yes so what's what's been the hardest part and and say over the past you know couple of years as you've kind of perfected what you're doing now i think um what's what was the biggest hurdle to get over in just you know the technical aspects of it i mean this takes a lot a lot of time to do yeah so the technical aspects i think the big thing was just making sure that i established a really solid process and i understood you know, you hear people like photographers or videographers talking about their workflow, mm-hmm. making sure I had one established and I understood every step of the way. And even still, that's um, that's a little tricky for me because I'll publish something and realize I forgot to color correct one of the video streams or I forgot to turn it back on. So there's these huge black gaps in the video where the picture just disappears or things like that. So just making sure I know my process and stick with it and don't change it up too much helps a lot. Yeah. So you mentioned 
um, your seasons, and I want to explore that a little bit more. But first, I want to talk about one of our good friends and one of your good friends, Matt, our buddy Ron over at Penn Chalet. What do you have for us this week, Mike? You know Penn Chalet. Come on, dear listener. <laughs> you know all about Penn Chalet. You know what they sell. You know how good they are. I tell you every couple of weeks, but it doesn't matter because you should have bought from them by now, right? I think every listener shall have bought something from Penn Chalet. If not, why not? They have free shipping on orders of over $50 in the US. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They have great shipping rates for international orders too. They have fast and reliable customer service. They have all of your favorite brands. They have everything you're looking for. If you're looking to buy a new pen, you should always go to Pen Chalet first because we can get you 10% off anything. Go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website, and enter the password penaddict. This is where you will get the code that you need to save 10% and also some special offers. This week's special offer is 50% off all of the Monteverde Impressor pens in the pearl with blue trim. This is the all of models, blue, ballpoint, rollable, and fountain pen of the Monteverde Impressor in, in the pearl with blue trim, which is a very interesting colorway yeah monteverde does some nice like metallic looking pens um this is in that series where you've seen some of the like the grays and reds and and other Mm -hmm. colors so the blue and silver looks extremely sharp um i like monteverde's nibs um their steel nibs are really good i enjoy writing with them um the price is ridiculous. I didn't know <laughs> that it could go this low. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was in uh, the availability of Penchalate to do this. So you should definitely click over and and see what this is all about. Without shadow of a doubt. So go to Penchalate.com. And by the way, Ron, Ron keeps throwing in this one uh, platinum into the uh, featured offers below the uh, the primary offers this week. He's done this a couple times now, and it's really causing me a problem. Um, you'll have to see what it is. Yeah, go look at that. I've never seen that thing before. Yeah, I've seen it at pen shows. It's crazy. It's it's a only Ron can do this type of discount. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure how... Uh, but that that's wrong for you. Go to penchalet.com, find out more. Thank you so much to Penchalet for the continued support of this show at Relay FM. All right, Matt, so let's talk about seasons. So when I sure. f- first, you know, saw that how you were doing this, I was like, I don't quite get this. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, this must take him forever to do. And you can't just run this infinitely. So is that how breaking your reviews up into seasons came about? Yeah, that and I'm just lazy. Um, <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> it's uh, your laziness is relative, all right? Like we're not, you know. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the most best and worst things about living in Seattle is we have the most glorious summers you could mm. possibly imagine. We also have about 8 months of miserable weather. Mm-hmm. And so there are few things that make me die more on the inside than having to spend my gorgeous summer days stuck in a windowless room recording videos or editing videos. Mm. It just, it rips me up on the inside. And so in order to keep from completely burning out, which I almost did, I almost just stopped making videos entirely back at the end of my, what became my first season. Yep. Yep. I I was like, you know what I need to, I need to take several months off every year and, and just, recoup. And so 
I have kind of broken it up into seasons, and that also gives me the opportunity over the summer, like I mentioned, to to make changes to the video format, and also to to create a backlog. I I still work over the summer, mm. um, just I just don't force myself to do it, and so usually by the time the season starts at the end of September, I've got fifteen videos that are in the can and ready to go, and all I have to do is publish them. Right. So it it allows me to go between September and the end of May, putting out videos on a regular basis, usually, mm-hmm. <laughs> cough, cough, um, <laughs> without completely burning myself out the rest of the year as well. I think that's awesome. Like you've, you set the expectation early, right? Like I couldn't just up and say, I'm going to take these three months off now because that's not what I've done in the past. I mean, I guess I could, but it would be kind of damaging where as you – essentially laid the groundwork in the beginning. Here's how it rolls. And this is what works best for me. And it's going to give actually, you know, it's going to give the your followers and watchers, you know, the the best results anyway, right? Yeah, but there I mean, there is a there's a downside to that as well, which I'm sure you guys know from doing the podcast every week, like clockwork for so long is that Mm -hmm. especially when you're so reliant on your viewers and your sponsors to to recoup the costs of of Mm. the time. Taking three or four months off in the middle is – it's painful. Um, you know, basically I'm not taking much money from sponsors. My, my rates drop in half uh, mm. for sponsorship rates. I'm not making very much money on either YouTube or through Patreon, that sort of thing. So there's – it's uh, it's it's a little difficult to keep the momentum. It also makes it really hard to do the stuff people are interested in right now. I mean one thing about our community is – they love what's new. It doesn't really matter what it is, but they love what's new. And because of the type of video and the the, the formats, I'm getting requests right now from, from lots of different manufacturers. Like, would you review this? Would you review this? I'm mm-hmm. like, I will, but it's not going to be out until October. Right. So um, that uh, there's, there's pluses and, and minuses to it, but I really like um, – I like having the summers. I'm a gardener, so I love to be able to just go out and enjoy the 75 degrees and sunny weather for four months straight. Yeah, and your your garden pictures are awesome, by the way. And I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out now to Luke the dog, and I'm sure he'll come up later in this episode. But you have the most <laughs> amazing golden retriever. So anyone who follows Matt for his his pen reviews alone is is missing out some uh, awesome Luke the dog action. He he's amazing. He's kind of the best dog ever, I have to admit. <laughs> I got real lucky. He's also my first dog ever, so nice. I had never had a dog growing up. I got real lucky with the first one. <laughs> well, good. So in the I think in the past year or so you started doing kind of a side video project called Currently Inc. So what was the what was behind that and um you know mixing that into your schedule? What was the thought behind getting that started? Uh there were a couple things about it. One and I'm sure you know this too, when you become known in the community, you instantly become kind of like the source of information for a lot of people who are just getting started. Mm -hmm. And I found myself answering the same questions over and over and over again. Um, And so I I wanted to say, well, what's a format I could do that isn't going to take a metric butt ton of time? Uh, (laughs) That's a scientific measure, by the way. Um, I use it all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, and we'll help get some of this information out there. And so, I, you know, 
Q&A formats are, are, you know, they're popular and they're they're done quite a bit. But it's the sort of thing where I can just plop down in my studio, turn on the camera and my microphone and an hour later walk out with a finished video, basically. Um, I don't do a lot of editing on them. I don't. You know, I don't make it fancy. I don't even do introductions anymore, really, or mm. animations or any of that stuff. It's it's so it's it's a fast turnaround um, for me. The other big thing that I'm I'm kind of trying to take a look at as I mature in this hobby is that I'm not buying as many pens as I used to, and I have a harder time getting excited about certain kinds of pens, and so it. I find it a little difficult to get excited about pens that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like before I even review them. And when you go into reviews with a preconceived notion, that's not really great with reviewing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't really – you're not giving it a, a fair shake. So, um, So I'm looking at ways that I can – Maybe not move away from review content, but kind of integrate other types of content into the channel, more educational style stuff and and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where it led. Plus, it's one of those things I can do during the summer in the evenings and and it's not going to take up a ton of time. So I can still put out a little bit of content during the summer when I'm on hiatus. Yeah. And and honestly, it's cool to just like geek out with your friends for like an hour and talk about this stuff that you don't necessarily talk about, you know, around the office or with other people in your day-to-day life. You can go and geek out about something you're really passionate about. And it's fun to, you know, hear what other people have to say. And I really, really enjoyed the the time I was I was on there with you. It's just fun to sit and talk to you. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun for me to watch those videos. I really, I really like the, uh, the currently style and format. Well, it's funny because I've found that that is by far the most popular videos. Those are the most popular videos I do. Hmm. Um, okay. The number of views that those get versus the number of views that my reviews get is it's substantially more, probably 25, 30% higher view count on those videos than the regular ones. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it requires less work. People seem to like them more. And uh in in cases like that, the the focus is more on the content and less on the production, which is nice. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's let's put you on the currently inked spot here, real quick. I know whenever we have guests on, our listeners want to know what you're using. What's your favorite pen? Why do you like this certain pen? What does this? Why is this ink such a favorite of yours? So give me you know two or three of maybe not necessarily your current favorites, like what you have to have right now, but like your all time favorite pens that you're inking up and using on a regular basis. Well, um, anyone who follows me regularly knows that my favorite of all time is the classic pens LB five, mm-hmm. which is the gorgeous, um, diffusion bonded acrylic version of the sailor King of pen, big, big fat 21 K nib. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got four of those. Again, cough, cough. <laughs> and how many of those are there? I think there's seven. Well, there's seven that have been production line pens. There's only fifty dollars, uh, or fifty made in each color. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's seven of them, and I've got four. So the other the other ones are very difficult to find because they were the first ones, and they were well sold out by the time I was introduced to the pen. So gotcha. um, very beautiful. Yeah, I'm also just a, a, a huge fan of the Aurora Optima mm-hmm. as well. I know, Brad, you like yours. 
I do. I really love that pen. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just something about when it, it the way it fits my hand and when I write with it. I I just really really enjoy that pen. Yeah, um, I've been using the Pilot Custom eight twenty three a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean I've I, I rotate through pens like crazy. I actually don't even have any of my LB5s inked at the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, and then I've got the new Aurora 88. Um, what is it? The Nebulosa coming? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Mm. Excellent. I, <laughs> I have, I don't have the pre-order in as I've paid, but I've essentially said, I want this pen and an extra fine nib when it arrives, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I have done the same. Uh, so I am just now waiting for it to be delivered to the retailer and, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, it will be mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a beauty. Um, I want to jump back to the LB five, um, real quick. Um, I wasn't super, I've always seen, uh, Andy Lambro around pen shows when I've been, but I've never talked to him. Didn't quite know him or his story or the things he's been into. Um, and then I got to use one of your LB fives at a show and I was like, wow, I really like the size and the shape of the pen. Um, and I don't own one yet. That's in the yet (laughs) category. It's like, I'm going to end up with one of these. I just know I'm going to end up with one of these. And unfortunately now Andy knows my name. So he's like, Hey Brad, let me show you. And I'm like, no, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. Andy. Thank you. I've almost your hand up to the side of your head and walk away with your head docked. Yeah. Cause he's, he's, Oh, you, you meet him at a a, a pen show and he is going to go into full blown salesman mode. He, he almost got me in Atlanta last year with the Jupiter. Jupiter. Is that what one of the, his models is called? I don't know exactly which model that is. There's there's two in the Jupiter finish. There's the LB3, which mm-hmm. is a smaller cigar-shaped pen, and then the mm-hmm. LB8, which mm-hmm. is this mammoth pen that's like eight-sided and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the smaller one, and we went back and forth and back and forth, and he was going to make me a deal, and uh, I almost did it, Matt. I almost did it. So uh, one of these one of these days I will, um, just because I, – I mean – who doesn't like uh, Andy? I mean, he's just a really nice guy. And, um, you know, the, the the pens are stunning. Yeah, he's one of those people who has forgotten more about fountain pens than <laughs> I will ever know. <laughs> yeah. So one of one of the nicest gifts I've ever received was from you, um, from a, a book that I wanted. Andy sends. Andy uh, has. No, what are the names of the books? He's done the, the two like primary f- ones he sends or he has now fountain pens of the world mm-hmm. and fountain pens of Japan. I know. Mm-hmm. And I, there's mm-hmm. one other one. I can't remember what the, the yeah. third one is right off the top of my head. Yeah. So Matt is such a good customer. Fountain pens of the USA and the UK is the other one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gorgeous. Books. So Matt is such a, a big uh, customer of Andy's. He gets a book every time he purchases a pen. So Matt's like, yeah, I got an extra one fountain pens of Japan. Uh, do you want me to send it to you? I'm like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's like a $200 retail book. I mean, it's a big honking, you know, uh, coffee table style book, if you will. And it's just beautiful that he puts these together. It is, it just boggles my mind how something like that comes together and he's done like three of them. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, well, it, in the San Francisco show this last year, we were sitting out at the the bar after a long day because <laughs> we were both working at the Van Ness table that, that time. Yeah. And, uh, we were sitting out and and Andy happened to wander in and sit down. I think it was the last night of the show, Sunday night or something mm-hmm. like that. And we were kind of showing our pens around. And 
I pulled out this Parker Duofold I had bought. And, you know, that's not his his brand. He's got mm-hmm. his own brand. That's why he's there. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is the Duofold Centennial from 1989. The thing about this acrylic is it's a compressed <laughs> acrylic instead of a port acrylic. So sometimes it can crack. So you want to be – I was like, how in the world do you remember that about this? I mean, this pen is like 30 years old. How in the world do you remember that off the top of your head? It's it, He's amazing. I love Andy. He's yeah. great. He is great. He's great, and uh, so I'm. I'm sure we'll see him. Uh, see him out and about several times this year. So, um, oh yeah, with the with the pens you you're using, um, mm-hmm. you ha- you have a bit of an ink problem as well. Um, and I say that lovingly because anyone who listens to this show uh, probably has an ink problem, but yours is on display quite a bit. And yeah. I know you get lots of commentary about um, the, the inks on yourself. So why don't you tell me how many inks you have? 230 bottles. <laughs> I keep a spreadsheet that is accessible from the pen habit website. So you can see exactly nice. what I've got in my collection at any, at any one time. Yeah. So how many emails do you get say, Hey, I saw your video and saw your list. Will you sell me this rare bottle of Quran dash that hasn't been made for like 10 years? Um, usually it's more along the lines of, I can't see where on the website I can buy that your inks. <laughs> um, it's like, it, it looks kind of the display I've got in my studio looks kind of like a store. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a beautiful backdrop. Yeah. People just kind of, yeah, it, I love that backdrop. It just, yeah, it's a pain to clean, which is why I only clean it during the hiatus every summer. I have to pull <laughs> everything off the shelf and dust it down. It's like, this gets dusted once a year. Um, but uh, it, yeah, people just mistake me as owning or running a pen store, which I don't. Um, right. And uh, yeah, it, the thing about ink is it's so inexpensive compared yeah. to the pens that I'm buying. So I can buy 10 bottles and not freak out the way I would freak out if I bought 10 fountain pens. Right. Um you know, yeah. I mean, it and it's that, that being said, <laughs> yeah, two hundred and thirty bottles later. So, give me, give me a few favorites uh, off the shelf. If you're inking up some of your favorite pens, what's what's kind of the top things that are going into into your pens? Um, so I'm I've become a big fan of a lot of the bung box inks. Mm-hmm. So, piano mahogany is just one of my all time faves. It's just gorgeous brown red color. I really, really like the First Love Sapphire as well. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite blue ink out there. I've There's this limited edition or special edition Mont Blanc Honoré de Balzac Dandy Turquoise came out a couple years ago. Yeah, that is I've seen my that. favorite turquoise of all time. They, yeah, you know, as with their special editions, of course, you buy it while you can, and then once it's gone, it's gone. Um, I really like Carandash Grand Canyon, which is one of the discontinued Colors of the Earth inks. Uh, Diamine Autumn Oak, Mont Blanc, Irish Green and Lavender Purple. I mean, name a color family, I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Yamadori, Sailor Yamadori is another one. Yeah. I thought you do a cool thing on your blog, which I didn't even realize uh, was there under your FAQ section where you have like, you list out the colors and here's my favorites, like in this color spectrum. It's, it's pretty cool. I like how you do that. It you can just uh, send a link here. <laughs> Go look at this. Yeah, that, that kind of falls. And I know there's a, a question about this, but that's one of those questions I get asked at least five to seven times a week 
mm-hmm. is what's your favorite ink yep. in this color? Yep. And uh, so, you know. That's useful. <laughs> yeah. Helpful. So with, so years of doing this and, you know, way, way down this most serious rabbit hole, you have all these inks and you have all these uh, pens and you have this growing empire online. You decided, I guess, was it last year where you started making some paper products? So tell mm-hmm. us how that, tell us how that came about and what was your idea behind starting that? Um, so the big thing is for me was, you know, I, and I talk about this a little bit. I hate asking for money. I hate it. It's probably yeah. the least favorite thing about being a YouTuber mm-hmm. um, because YouTube, for anyone who's who's expecting to get on and make it, make it rich on YouTube, that's probably not going to happen. There are a few people who can pull it off. I am not one of them. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I was trying to come up with a way and I, the thing that, I did my second season was I did this big raffle. So if you, if you donated during the year, then you got raffle tickets mm. or, you know, you basically got a ticket into the raffle. What I didn't realize is that's kind of illegal. Um, so starting with season three, I had to kill that one. Mm. Um, and then I, I was talking with Sean Newton and he was saying, well, you know, if you sell something and use those as entries to a giveaway, it's not a raffle. Um, and kind of, kind of what he does with his postcards that, you know, you, you buy these postcards, the money goes to charity and, and then, you know, he does a giveaway based on the postcards you bought, which is Mm. cool. But, um, the thought was, well, why don't I just sell something that way? I'm not asking for money. I'm letting people buy something that hopefully they'll find useful. And then I can make a little extra money off of it that way. So, Mm. uh, that's kind of where I, I started the process and I kicked off. You know, paper was an obvious direction for me to go. So I kicked off this process of trying to find a good fountain pen friendly paper to make these pocket and traveler size notebooks um, for for my what became the Inky Fingers notebook line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you took the paper very seriously, which you should like that's mm-hmm. appreciated by the community and the people who support you and, and buy these notebooks. Everyone I've used has been awesome. And you've gone through a couple different paper styles. Um, what's the current paper choice and what is going on with that current paper choice? Cause I know you've had some news and I know yeah. you have a bunch of fans of these notebooks. So tell us what's going on with that. Yeah. So um, uh, what I use is the, it's a wheat straw paper. So it's mm-hmm. the, Agricultural byproduct. Ooh, try to talk today. Agricultural <laughs> byproduct of of harvesting wheat. So they take the mm. straw, they grind it, add a little bit of tree pulp, and make this paper. And it is surprisingly fountain pen friendly and not very thick. And, you know, mm. it's not Tomoe River thin, but it's not Clairefontaine thick. It's kind of a nice medium weight paper. Yeah, a little bit of tooth. I really like the way it feels. Yeah, it's really, really excellent. It's you don't expect what you get when you start writing on it. You're like, wow, this is really cool. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, so one of the problems with at least paper here in the U.S. is that 98 percent of it's garbage when it comes mm-hmm. to fountain pens. Mm-hmm. And so it's 
we went through probably 40 or 50 different papers trying to find the right one. And we absolutely stumbled across this. I was talking to my printer about, hey, can we maybe if I were to bring in some Tomoe River paper, it's only 52 GSM. It's really thin. Can your machines handle it? And he said, I don't think so. Yeah. A lot of printers can't handle paper like that. And mm-hmm. so, or won't. Um, one of the things I discovered is if a paper hasn't been certified for use in specific, in the the printer's machines, they just won't use it. Ah, interesting. Um, and so he said, but just a second, I've got something that might work. If, you know, if Tomoe River is based on rice, it might be, I don't know. And mm-hmm. then he said, let me try this. So he pulled it out and I was shocked. And I just, <laughs> I love this paper. So... We we proceeded and I printed up this small batch of 500 notebooks, took it to the DC show in 2016 uh, and basically gave a bunch away. Actually, no, I, I was giving it away even before then. Yeah. To, oh, it was, I, yeah. was it, it was LA actually. It was the LA pen show last year hmm. um, is where I started giving them away. And then – during the summer, I had another run printed of that same wheat straw paper, and the printer I was using kind of wasn't able to to meet the quality that I wanted to mm-hmm. with the paper and uh, and and the the final fit and finish of the notebook. So I went to a new printer and someone who specializes in using this particular kind of paper, and he just informed me a couple weeks ago that it has been discontinued. Oof. So, um, yeah, so I am back to the drawing board in terms Mm. of finding paper. This new printer should be able to do the quality of work I like and I I want, um, but we just have to find a paper that works. And that's really hard to do with fountain pens, especially if I don't want to become an importer of some huge volume of paper from overseas, which I'm not completely against, but that's a lot of extra work. So kind of defeats the whole purpose of making a little extra money without asking for help kind of a thing. Right, right. So uh, I want to make a point of something y- you said and that I th- I find to be a con- constant theme from people in our community who have gone on to make things like you, like Anna, like myself. We're extraordinarily particular. <laughs> you know, yes. we are... It's a different type of manufacturing process than I think you find on just a general basis. Like we are really kind of understand what the expectations are for our community and for ourselves, right? I mean, we don't want if we're putting our name on it, it's very important that it's right. And sometimes working with people who aren't used to our particularness, it's very difficult. And I thought that was a good point that you made. Like you really care about the paper, the performance, what the final completed output's going to look like from the printer. And that's not, that's not easy. I mean, it's a challenge and we appreciate you being that particular, like it shows in the end. Yeah, well, and I think there's this a certain level of fastidiousness mm-hmm. that comes with using fountain pens t- in today. You know, right? Sixty years ago, you didn't really have much of a choice. If you're using a fountain pen today, it's because you are willing to do all the extra little fiddly stuff you have to do to use a fountain pen today. 
and you enjoy that extra fiddly stuff. So cleaning it out, adjusting the tines, you know, the the standard pen maintenance stuff, finding paper that that fits you. So there's a certain kind of personality type, I think, that really gets into fountain pens Mm -hmm. today. And I think that that fastidiousness about your pens and the the twiddly stuff you have to do with it is – it translates very, very closely into I want the products I use around this to be as attentive to detail as I am. And right. so I think that's where the that all comes from. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think that completely shows in like everything that you do. So um, I, I think that's fantastic. So we have a bunch of listener questions I want to get to. But before we kind of wrap up the uh, – all the the pin habit background and and current status. What's what's next for you and the pin habit? You know, what's the next year look like? Are, are you getting out to pin shows? You have anything new coming on the blog? What's uh, what's on the what's on the docket for you this year? Um, for me, on the blog and the YouTube channel, it's just make it to May. I'm kind of <laughs> in the just focus down and make it to May and see what happens from there. Over the mm-hmm. summer, I'm going to be taking a pretty hard look at the type of content I create mm-hmm. and what changes, if any, I want to make. So one of the things I'd like to really spend a little more time on is educational content as opposed mm-hmm. to review content. I still mm-hmm. enjoy doing reviews, but um, I, I don't think I will be able to continue doing the kinds of reviews that the audience wants me to do. Right. And, and to be honest about it, um, you know, there's sure. just a lot of my tastes have changed. And and so I'm going to be taking a look at that. I'm, I'm not making mm-hmm. any decisions yet. But the one area that I think I'd like to get into is some of the stuff that Brian Goulet did early on, you know, the Fountain Pen 101 and how to adjust your nibs and how to use an ultrasonic cleaner and that sort of thing um, and focus a little bit on that going forward. Yeah, I for I would eat that stuff up. I, I think that's awesome content that never, there's always new people coming in that need to know these things. And it's, a, it'd be a great resource. I'd, I'd love to see that. So you also mentioned you're going to be at the Chicago pin show. Is that right? I am. I'm going to the Chicago show uh, this year and I'm probably going to go to DC as well. It's going to kind of depend on work. Gotcha. But uh, I'm I'm planning on going to DC. DC is such a fun show. It's it just, is. It's fun to be there. Um, I'm working at the Chicago show, so I'm going to help cool. out the Van Nesses again. Cool. Um, well, I will be adjacent. I will be adjacent to you. I'm stealing one of their tables for Knox, so we will be uh, we'll excellent be, uh, so neighbors this year. We will get up to our regular old shenanigans, <laughs> just, just like old times, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, our our our. Uh, Smart Alec <laughs> approach to pen shows. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, it's I'm trying keeps... to I'm trying to censor myself as I'm talking here because I know it's a family friendly podcast. But yeah, uh, we, yeah. <laughs> we keep we keep our sanity by being together. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so that that should be a lot of fun. And then we'll see what happens with DC. I had a great time at San Francisco last year too. Yeah. So I'd kind of like to go to San Francisco again. It's just so close on the back of DC that. Yep. I don't know that I'll be able to take the time off of work right. again this year. So, right. So, yeah, we'll see. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. And uh, I think uh, let's hit some of these questions, Mike, after I get a clean shave. 
You're going to go do that right now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. I mean, you're kind of long-winded sometimes. Oh, well, look at this. This is just not fair at all. Uh, this show <laughs> is brought to you... I would just like to point out, actually, that I haven't spoken for a while. So, I know, so maybe I I'm know. not as long-winded, you know? Yeah, I know. But I've, I've been with you for 248 episodes, so I stand by this. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. <laughs> Harry's was started by just a couple of guys, Jeff and Andy who were fed up of being overcharged for razors, so they decided to fix it. They went ahead and bought a factory of 100 years of blade-making experience so they could not only make their own products, but that they would be high quality as well. Then, sell them online and ship directly for half the price. With Harry's, you'll be used to just paying $2 a blade compared to the $4 you may be paying when you go and buy from the jailhouse drugstore as they lock everything away. Harry's razors include everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. They have a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades of a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, and travel blade cover as well. And Harry's have all of the extras you need, like amazing shave gel or cream. Brad, what is your favorite of all of Harry's extras? Uh, it's the shave cream, and I have a travel pro tip that I just realized that I do um, as I was packing for Little Rock this week the shave cream that i use now comes in two sizes so i order one medium for every two larges that i use um because the medium just stays it's the perfect travel size so it stays in my travel kit i don't use it except when i travel and i don't have to hunt down or lug a big you know big tube of shave cream or any other any other product um with me so keep that medium in the travel kit and it's good to go so that's uh that's what i do Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their shave set for free. Just go to harrys.com slash penaddict right now to claim your free trial set that comes with a razor handle of your choice, a five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel. All you need to do is pay the shipping. Once again, that's harrys.com slash penaddict to claim your free trial set. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show and Relay FM. And allow me to say, I'm going to probably go over and sign up for Harry's as soon as we're done here because I have been using one of the other subscription services and I'm not particularly happy with the quality of the blades. So I'm going nice. to, I'm excited to give them a try. You gotta so, cool. come on. If for no, if for no other reason to have me on the show, it's to finally switch me over to Harry's. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, That's the awesome. podcast is, you know, all of our guests, it's just like a slow march towards moving <laughs> over. That's all this is. This is just a shell really. The show Mission accomplished. Harry's. That's right. Well, uh, our good friend uh, Scott, who is in the chat room and on Slack, this is the this is the paper late segment of the podcast where he submitted six questions for Matt. I'll see if I can get through all of them here because I have some other questions from other people I want to hit. But there are he had some very interesting ones that I wanted to discuss, and that starts with the first one he submitted. He said, "Does does Brad ever think about doing videos, and does Matt ever think about doing a podcast?" So what do you think about that, Matt? Um, I have not thought about doing a podcast because why would I try to compete with you guys? No one can <laughs> compete with us. All right. Exactly. I let you know right You're now. You're so far ahead of me right now. It, no, I, I've done podcasts before and I enjoy them, but um, but I really – I love the video format and mm-hmm. I don't feel like I could do anything better on a podcast than you guys are already doing. So to me, it's – an additional voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't see that 
there's a need for it for me anyway. I, mm. you know, if someone else wants to do a podcast, I won't stop them, but you guys yeah. do such a great job. I'm not sure what the point would be. No, the thing is, if yeah. anybody wants to do a podcast, we will try to stop them. Like, I think I need to make this very clear. <laughs> uh, there, is, wow. there is room for just one pen show, and it is this one. Why do I have this vision in my head of like a Jets and Sharks West Side Story style rumble at a pen show? <laughs> I just, it could totally happen. Yeah, Mike and Brad mm-hmm. snapping and, and creeping toward each other using Bob Fosse <laughs> choreography. I've got this vision in my head. I think we need to make that happen at, at we, the DC show this year. Definitely, definitely need to make that happen. We can, we can totally swing that. The YouTubers versus the podcasters. <laughs> I don't know which side would uh, Mike be on. He's kind of he's turning on me. Podcast forever, baby. That's right. That's right. Um, me doing videos, it's 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 very much the same thing that Matt said. There's no way like I look up to Matt's like technical acumen and quality of content. Like that's like the gold standard is like mm-hmm. why would I want to embarrass myself? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to yeah. do. It's hard to learn, uh, you know. Yeah. Plus, um, I have all of these time commitments already and knowing how much time Matt puts into that, like that. I could never do that just with all the, I mean, just pod planning on the, the podcast alone. Mike knows how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you, a lot of times it's late and last minute because just of the time commitment it takes, which makes uh, Matt's work even more impressive, Scott. So um, yeah, but uh, I think about it all the time and realize that I'm never going to do that. And if I do anything, it'd be, you know, live Instagram or live Facebook things, you know, where I can just fly off the handle and, and not, um, script out and plan and edit. Yeah, I love doing that stuff. Yeah. I I started watching yours and I was like, I need to do this more. That just looks like fun. Like I did Periscope for a while, but the Instagram stuff looks very, very simple and easy to use. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's, it's one of those, ah, I've got half an hour and I'm not doing anything. Let me make my bed. So the background mm-hmm. looks like I've got my life together as an adult. And then <laughs> um, I <laughs> go, you know, s- sit there and just answer questions and chat for half an hour. It's fun. I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the next question from Scott is one you kind of already mentioned, but I wanted to bring it up purposely because you mentioned it. Um, So Scott says, do the questions you both receive point you towards gaps within the community regarding information that needs to be shared more broadly? I've noticed neither one of you has found it necessarily necessary to duplicate the great fountain pen 101 videos that Goulet Pens has produced. Um, But are there other gaps out there based on the questions you receive? So I thought you're... Um, mentioning of the video and you know trying to do more educational stuff i think that's right on point yeah and you know it's interesting in a lot of ways i don't feel like there's a lot of information missing it's just people don't always find the information they want in the avenue that they want it so you know you can find out about vintage pens but you're probably going to have to troll through a lot of old forum posts to find it Mm -hmm. um Or, you know, you can find out information about, you know, how to, how to adjust your nibs, but you're going to have to go through three or four different videos on YouTube to find it kind of a thing. So the information's out there. I think my focus is people just won't always go to the effort of looking for it Mm -hmm. and they just expect you to answer their question for them. And so finding ways to make content bite-sized and Easily discoverable, I think, is going to be the key for me going forward, mm-hmm. um, because most of that information's out there. That's how I learned it. It's uh, is is by trolling the different websites, or not trolling, 
Well, trolling is the word I want to use, but not the way people th- you what think of it on the internet. It's more like fishing trolling. Trolling, yes. not trolling, right? Like there's just a, there's yeah, a exactly very close pronunciation, very yeah. very different uh, connotations. Trolling, yes. Um, so yeah, so that would be um, yeah. I think that's kind of the direction I want to go. Yeah. Um, and let me interject a quick question here that you you said something made me think of it. Just overall in your pin buying and you're saying your tastes have changed over the years. Are you? And I, I think, I don't, I don't know, my observation is that you enjoy more of the modern pins, but you do have a thing for vintage pins too, right? I mean, just there's some very particular ones that you like. Um, do you find where your tastes are leaning now more towards the modern or the vintage styles? Oh, it's still very much modern, um, mm-hmm. but I am... I am branching out into some of the vintage stuff. I found some vintage pens that I really like, but I do like larger pens and that's a little mm-hmm. tricky when you get into the vintage world. So gotcha. I've got a, a vacuumatic oversize from 1937 that I just adore. It's yeah. it's a beautiful pen and it writes like a dream. Uh, some of the old Watermans, because I love my flexi nibs. Right. And, uh, and I found an Eversharp Skyline recently that I also really, really like. So nice. Nice. All right, so I'm going to roll Scott's question three and four kind of together because we've already answered part of this. He says, what have you both learned from the experience of making and selling notebooks? This includes things like paper quality, vendor relations, distribution, online sales, etc. So we kind of covered that with how our particularness um, very much plays out in like everything in that question, the quality, the vendors, distribution, sales, everything is like super, super particular. But then he leads into what other products and or services have you two considered? So what have you considered doing anything besides notebooks, Matt? Because people always wanted me to make a pen and I just kind of refuse to do that. I'm not saying I never will, but that doesn't interest me. Have you considered doing anything? I really haven't, and I don't know why I haven't. Uh, I think it's just not something that's ever been a huge focus for me. It's, mm-hmm. I like the note. I like paper, uh, and it's fun. That kind of stuff is fun for me. Plus, I have the skills-ish to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an area that that – and there's still so much more to do in that realm. Mm-hmm. You know, all I've got is a, a blank aligned and a, a currently inked log, but I've got ideas for probably 20 or 30 other products and a bunch of different sizes. And so I think there's still a lot of realm to explore there before I get bored with it. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of leads into the next question that Scott had. He says, Brad, you have monetized your refill newsletter and I find it to be outstanding value. Has Matt considered any type of subscription service? And I don't see that necessarily like a subscription service. I think I would pose the question more. Has you Have you thought about any more ways? And this is an awkward word to say, and I don't like it, but to monetize like anything you do. And I think, you know, creating more notebooks, like you're saying is, you know, that's on the radar. Is, is there anything else you've considered either um, maybe a digital good, you know, or a subscription service? Have you thought about any of these types of things? Um, I've thought about them. I've kind of roundly ruled out a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Largely because it's a time commitment thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I just – so in addition to doing the pen habit, I do have a – still have a full-time job and will continue to have a full-time job for a long mm-hmm. time, I suspect. Uh, but I also run my own audiobook production and distribution company and narrate a lot of audiobooks. So I'm kind of running three businesses simultaneously or not – you know, I've got a job and then I'm running two separate businesses simultaneously. So it's – 
adding more things that take up my time is not really in the cards anymore. I've kind right. of – I'm at peak Matt right now. <laughs> um, so I think I, from here on out, it's going to be how do I minimize my own input or find ways to to bring other people in. And if I can do that and make it work, then that's something that I'll, I'll consider. But anything that requires more of my time is kind of is kind of out. So right, right. And I think this kind of I'm going to jump into the next question from Robo Jim talks about this very thing and how okay I transitioned you know from you know, standard job, what people would consider a standard job into turning the pin addict and knock into my full-time job. And you make it very clear that you enjoy your full-time job and keep, you know, the pin habit and inky fingers as a side gig. Um, what challenges, you know, besides time, I mean, it's, it's, I think time's probably the best thing, but you know, are there any more challenges to keep both of these things going? Um, is there any reason that you say don't want to make the jump to doing fountain pens and stationary stuff full time? Have you thought about has that ever come up in the dream scenario? Yeah, it has. I'm a little hesitant to even entertain that notion mm. too much for a couple reasons. One, Seattle is a very expensive place to live. And <laughs> for me to continue living here to the in the lifestyle to which I have become accustomed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would with have the dog. I mean, yeah, please. exactly. I've got to keep him in milk bones. Yes. Um, so I would have to make so much more money than I'm making on the pen habit. I mean, right. like 10 to 15 times more than I'm making just <laughs> right. to maintain where I am right now. And I just don't see how pouring more of my time into it, I would have to try to build an empire and I don't know that I have that in me. Um, right. So we'll see. Uh, the other thing is I find that once I turn a hobby into a job, it stops being fun. Yeah. And I this, this is one of those few things that I enjoy enough and have been able to maintain for as long as I have that – I'm afraid of trying to turn it into more than it already is. Otherwise, I'm afraid I'm just going to, you know, put the pens in the pen box and not ink them up anymore because I'm so burned out. Right. So I don't want I don't want that to happen. I also don't have a spouse. I'm not saying that that is the sole reason you've been able to be so successful doing what you're Uh doing. But it is nice to have that additional support and that additional, you know, income in case you have a bad month. Um, And I don't have that. So, you know. I've I've also often laughed. I'm not I'm not cute enough to have a sugar daddy and not rich enough to be one. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, if we get to the point maybe where I've got a spouse and and we could, it's something I would certainly consider. But yeah, some there would be have to be some scenario changes. Yeah, it was certainly kind of a perfect storm of things, and you know, me having. My wife, who's had a stable job for 15 years in insurance, it makes it easier to have that to fall back on to be able to make like crazy decisions like I did. 
Um, and definitely the, like the cost of living totally is a thing too. Like I live in the country, like last night I was driving my daughter to guitar practice. I almost road killed a Turkey then had to wait for a hay truck to cross the train tracks in front of the taxidermy shop. So I live <laughs> in a very low cost area. That is one of the weirdest sentences I have ever heard. Can you so say that again, please? <laughs> that's how that was my drive last night to guitar practice like it's all woods like where i live so it's uh-huh. it's i like i don't pass like a single retail establishment like until i get to like where a guitar practice is it's like a 20 minute drive there was this huge turkey that crossed the road and i was like slamming on the brakes the kids were cracking up because he was huge and running around like crazy and then you know we have to cross over these train tracks and there was you know, there's all these farms around where I live. It's all horses and cows. And there's always hay trucks moving hay from one location to the other. And he was kind of stuck on the train track, which is where the taxidermy <laughs> shop is where I live. So, wow. yeah, it's kind of crazy. Okay. So, why am I hearing the soundtrack from Deliverance in my head yeah, right now? It's totally, you can imagine like some of the, like we won't get into it, but you can imagine some of the struggles I have in this area, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's where we live. So it's, it's not Seattle. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So those are the things like that I, you know, that have made it easier for me to, you know, the, the decisions I've had to make about, you know, my mm-hmm. business, um, you know, it's, it's really a perfect storm kind of situation. So it's a little yeah. crazy. So, all right. So last couple of questions, we'll get through these real quick from Sebastian. He wants to know, what do you want to see happen in the future for the fountain pen industry? For example, for me, it's the arrival of new manufacturers such as Twisby who offer great products at good prices or that all product Pilot products are available outside Japan and at better prices. So, do you have anything that you say, boy, I wish this industry that we all love so much and are a huge part of, what could they do to make it even more awesome? So, I have a couple things. One, I would love for someone to figure out how to make good old fashioned style flex nibs. If for mm-hmm. no other reason than I could stop answering the question, why can't anyone make flex nibs like they used to? Because that's probably yeah. the most frequently asked question I ever get. Yeah. The other one is uh, I would like to see pen companies start operating on a global scale and mm-hmm. not on several small local scales. Yep. Um, kind of uh, what Sebastian said in the question was, I, some of these games that the companies are playing with the retailers, you have to have a brick and mortar store to get access to our inventory. You have to sell all of it or sell none of it. Uh, we're only going to bring these products into the this country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like the companies that have been most successful are the ones who have realized that style of business does not work in the modern economy and have gotten gotten away from that. I'd like to see many more retailers do the same thing. I also would like to see a pretty hefty focus on the increase of quality control in nibs. I have even in just the last 4 years I have seen nib quality control go down pretty substantially, I think. Um especially with some of the luxury retailers or luxury brands, they're just not putting as much focus on their nib quality as they used to. I think there's some that are but not not as many as as I feel like used to maybe four years ago. Maybe that's just I I um, have more experience and know 
can recognize what's wrong more than I used to be able to. But those are kind of my my big areas that I'd like to see focused on. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly on we're in a global market now, and I wish some of these manufacturers would realize that and make it easier for us to love you and to give you the boost that, you know, comes with being part of a global stationary community. It's there's definitely some companies that are very much stuck in their in their old habits, um, old, you know, business models and things like that. I would definitely like to see a more open worldwide um community from 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 a manufacturing perspective um how they're releasing products how they're handling promotion how they're you know doing things to you know continue to grow this market because it's pretty clear it's growing um Mm -hmm. so i would like to see more openness from the top down if you will so and and to be honest i don't think it will always continue to grow yeah, sure. Like now, now is if you're going to innovate and you're going to to change your business model, now is the time to do it because you want to mm-hmm. be well positioned for when the market starts to slow down or starts to decrease again because it's going to happen. Markets are cyclical. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel like there are a couple manufacturers out there who are doing a really good job of it. Aurora being one, where mm-hmm. they they seem to have gotten the the wake up call that the market is not what it used to be and they're making some pretty serious changes. Right. Uh, and I appreciate that. I feel like there are other ones who are going the opposite direction, kind of digging in their heels and saying, no, we like it the way it used to be. And companies that do that are the ones that operate themselves right out of existence. So exactly right. Exactly right. All right. So we're going to, we're going to end it on this fun question and I had to put this in here and this is from Daniel. A ballpoint user is quickly approaching your house, unknown to you because you are doing the gardening, but Luke the dog can smell the threat drawing nearer. How does he warn you to get to safety? Um, is licking someone to death an option? Because that's <laughs> probably about it. So uh, he is he is going to welcome the ballpoint fiend with uh, open arms and just as will I because anyone I don't I don't care if you're into ballpoints versus fountain pens if you're Mm -hmm. a stationary nerd you are my people right Um, you know yeah I focus mainly on fountain pens because that's what I like but but uh, you know anyone who can get excited about pens and paper is just nerdy enough for me. I couldn't say it better than that. Thank you, Matt, for joining us this week. This has been a blast. This was awesome. We could go on for another two hours uh, knowing you and knowing the things that you're into and the stories we could tell. Um, We have shared some experiences, and I can't wait to share my next experience with you, and I hope to see you soon. Yes, I'm sure I will see you in Chicago. Yes, I'll be there. All right. If you want to find our show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 248. If you want to find uh, Brad online, the place to go is penaddict.com, or you can go to Dowdyism on Twitter, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M, and he's penaddict on Instagram. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on both. If you want to find Matt, you can go to his website. You can go to penhabit.com. Dot com and he is at penhabit on twitter as well thanks again to our lovely sponsors for this week's episode the fine folk over at pen chalet squarespace and harry's we'll be back next time 
well, me and Brad will anyway. But Matt, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, goodbye guys. guys.